What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. My guest this evening of the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. Ben, good evening. How are you? I'm great, Chase. How are you? I mean, we're finally here, end of the regular season practically. Dwayne Wade's got his big moment in Miami. I'm going to be sending off Dirk Nowitzki at some point, I'm sure, too. And more importantly, you know, we're welcoming the playoffs and, and what should be a really fun playoff bracket. So I'm stoked, man. I'm pretty hyper. It's been a long run here the last six weeks kind of plodding through the uh kind of the, the dog days of the nba schedule but i'm so stoked so are you excited for the nba season to be over or are you gonna miss it at all no i'm all excited about the playoffs beginning i mean look my whole life is kind of centered around that time between april and june where basketball goes to another level you know it's just it's my christmas you know my uh you know every holiday you want to throw out there that's how i look at it um, and you know, you're seeing, especially this season where the tanking hasn't quite been as bad, but I do think that a lot of these teams haven't been playing you know, in sixth gear. And, and recently we've seen Houston and golden state, both just step it up, you know, the last couple of weeks and really take their games kind of to that, uh, you know, playoff readiness level. And they've both been so good that it kind of like wet my appetite. It's like, oh, okay, I want to see everybody playing like this. I want to see Boston who's been real up and down all season. I want to see what they look like when they're locked in. I want to see what the Milwaukee Bucks look like when they're playing Giannis 40 minutes a night and they're going all out for every single win. I want to see what the Sixers look like when they're in that pressure cooker. You know, does their new chemistry experiment, does it work or does it start to shatter? Uh, I want to see the Denver Nuggets. They haven't been there in, in six years. This group, you know, together, the young core has never been there. What does Jokic look like under the playoff spotlight? I mean, to me, there's so many intriguing uh, storylines here. I'm just ready to get it going on Saturday. So how excited are you about a Spurs-Nuggets 2-7 uh, matchup? Because I'm so glad that we found ourselves. I mean, obviously, a lot can still happen because of the records with the Thunder, the Spurs, and the Clippers down the stretch here. But, oh, my God. Because I, I said I was talking to Caleb Sines at 48 Minutes of Hell, old friend of the pod, a couple weeks ago. And something I just I can't shake is that if we get Spurs Nuggets in round one the the Spurs are winning that series well I think that you're in a good company I'm writing about that this week for the Washington Post actually about how the Nuggets like smashed through the playoff ceiling right they were stuck in that bubble for years they like so convincingly uh, blow away expectations this year rise up to the number two seed in the Western Conference maybe the number three seed depending on how it shakes out and yet all everyone wants to do is write them out of the playoffs and there's good reason for it. I mean, they're super young. They're inexperienced. Uh, you know, their their main guy, Jokic, is going to have some real questions about how does he translate to the playoffs? Is he going to be able to cover ground defensively? I think some of their supporting cast guys, not supporting cast, but, you know, starters, non-star starters uh, have been struggling with their shots. You know, the, the wings have just kind of been inconsistent here down the stretch. And then their road record to me is a little bit scary too. I mean, they're so good at home, but uh, they're basically 500 on the road. And so that puts a lot of pressure. It's like if you don't hold serve uh, and you're going against a more experienced team on the road, are they going to be able to do it in that environment? I mean, it's a lot of red flags, a lot of questions around this team. At the same time, though, like I'm not going to be rushing them out the side door. Like I think that there's going to be a real shot that Jokic uh, comes through. And in that first round series, if he's going to be going against San Antonio or the Clippers or whoever else we don't know yet, 
there's a decent chance he's going to be the best player in that series. And if they get Oklahoma City, I guess it depends sort of on Paul George's health. I mean, I think obviously he would be considered the best player by a lot of people. But Jokic is the real deal, man. He can do a lot of different things with the basketball. Unbelievable passer, improved scorer, better finisher around the basket. He's got a nice in-between game, which you don't see uh, as much anymore. He's made some progress defensively, and, and that's where all the questions are going to be is, you know, can he cover ground? Uh, but to me, I think there's going to be a lot of joy in seeing the Nuggets play in the playoffs as opposed to just rushing the Nuggets out of the playoffs. Yeah, it's almost like they made too much of a jump, right? Where you, it's like we've been waiting on them to break through that ceiling before the season started. We were like, okay, they're probably like a seven or eight seed this year. They'll probably, they, they should be in that eight group. And they just started blowing everybody out and they just have been great and they're just super deep and they've had these jumps from Malik Beasley, Jamal Murray, Jokic. But then they're like key guy who I still tie their entire trajectory around more so than Jokic is Gary Harris. Like if he takes that leap and he joins Jamal Murray and Jokic as a star, a real star, then I'm really intrigued by this group. But if he doesn't and it's just he's a role player and he's just never going to he can't get healthy. And I mean, that's been a lot of issues this year. But um, am I crazy for just looking so much at Denver and their uh, potential contention window um, revolving around Gary Harris. And if they almost, it's kind of going to be an unfortunate thing for them to be this good this soon, because if they do go down in round one, people are going to be like, Oh, see, told you so Jokic can't be your best player and this, that, and the other. And um, if they were a six or seven seed and they were scrappy and they um, snuck their way in, they broke through the playoff um, glass ceiling. Like you talked about that we would be appreciating them. and There'd be less pressure and all that kind of stuff. They're definitely a victim of their own success. There's no question about that. I think you're right to identify Harris as kind of the X factor for their long-term ceiling because I think you can already pencil Jokic in as a star. I mean, he's a superstar-level player. I mean, to me, he's all-NBA first team. You could have a real good debate between him and Embiid. I would favor Jokic just because the consistency of the health. You know, I mean, he's been out there every single night, and I think he, he makes his teammates better in lots of different ways. You can go either way. I mean, he's not going to be any worse than the, the second team all NBA center. And, and that's incredible. I also think Murray has a real chance to be a star. I mean, everything that he does well, uh, you know, his, his confidence, uh, you know, his shot making, his shot creation, his two man game stuff, all of that is totally modern. It fits with where the game is going and it fits with Jokic. Um, Harris, I'm not sure I see star potential. And I think the big issue for Denver is, OK, you've got two nice young stars. Uh, are you ever going to be able to get a third one or because of your market and because of the other guys you've committed to, or because you want to have depth or, or your style of play or whatever else, are you ever able to get that third guy? And of course you would hope you could kind of grow him internally and Harris would be the best candidate there, but I'm just not sure I see it. Uh, but I guess my big picture takeaway from Denver is can we just like pump the brakes and enjoy like this month for them? Right. Because I, mean, I don't know if you saw that video of them celebrating in Boston where they made the playoffs and like they had been so close the last two years coming down to the last game of the season, basically, you know, missing by one game in overtime last year. You have these guys jumping around, dousing uh, Michael Malone with the water and just looking like, you know, school kids. I mean, that level of joy and jubilation, um, you know, don't just swipe that under the rug. I'm not saying you're doing that, but I do think there is a rush to kind of say, OK, Denver, like show us how real you really are. And I think even if they went out in the first round, I mean, even if they went out in like five or six games in the first round, to me, this season is such a huge success. And I'm not a big moral victories guy. Um, you know, I think that you want to prove it. And ultimately, like the only place you can do that is in the playoffs. But I think that the, the kind of culture turnaround that they've had, I mean, they were dead last in home attendance like three years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And now they've got fans back in the building. And to me, that counts for a lot. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but also, yeah, uh, Andrew Sharp has a, a, a interest, I believe, in the Denver Nuggets going down in the first round, right? With uh, getting Connolly out of there and back to Washington. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been a kind of discussion. I mean, he's a Baltimore native. Uh, he is a guy who's from that area. His wife is from that area. He grew up rooting uh, for all the local teams there uh, in the D.C. area. And he got his first job as an intern in the in the Wizards like scouting department. So there's a lot of ties there. I think there's a lot of interest there. And I think if you're Washington, um, you're going to be looking for a candidate who, number one, has done it before. Number two, has shown that he can uh, exercise patience in going through a rebuilding process because, let's face it, Washington's going to be terrible for years to come here. I mean, this, this wall contract is just horrible. 
easily the worst in the league and, and basically untradeable. So, I mean, I think that there could be a match there between what Connolly would be looking for from a personal standpoint and what the organization would be looking for from a guy who would step into you know a job filled by Ernie Grunfeld for 16 years. You know, if you're the Wizards owner, you want somebody who could have that job for another 16 years, right? Like that's a real selling point for you, you know, the stability of the franchise, the idea that you're going to give your lead decision maker a lot of space to work and, and give him the, you know, the ability to execute his vision. I think that's sort of like the best thing that the Wizards have that they can sell because you look at these teams like the Suns, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, like the other open jobs right now. I mean, those are not good jobs, those other ones, because you right. could get fired in two or three years. And I think that's what separates the Wizards. And uh, ultimately, I could see why that might be appealing for somebody in, a, in Tim Connolly's position. I'm glad we're on the same page there, because that's been my position on the Wizards job of like, no, I think that's the best job open. Like that kind of just like you said, like even though Leonis wasn't the owner for the majority of that time frame, he still came in and gave him a lot of time. And you can tell he just like wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to win. He All you have to do to prove your your value to Ted Leonis is to compete and not tank. And I think he's in. He's in with what you're doing. And um, I'm not sure it's going to be that bad of a rebuild and that they're going to be terrible forever i think a lot of it just depends on if bradley beal accepts the supermax money from them and if he does and i i'm still bullish on wall i still like this group i cannot quit this team um i don't like the howard stuff the mahimi stuff and all that but i don't know i i can't quit this team i do really believe that having one top 20 player and then maybe getting like who they might win the zion sweepstakes this offseason like that's very much in play well i'd get excited about their future if they've got zion but let me just tell you sell your john wall stock now you'll be happy you did i mean don't ride that one to the bottom (laughs) (laughs) i can't do it i still think he's just i don't know i I loved him too i mean i saw him actually his uh, junior year in high school he's dead i loved him well (laughs) well no look i mean i'm just saying you know cut the ties when you can I saw him his junior year in high school, played a, a high school tournament up in Oregon. So one of the fastest high school, probably the fastest high school player I've ever seen end to end. I mean, I did, I, I was ready to put him in the NBA at that point of his life. I was just like, let's just get this guy in. Like, well, he's going to be wasting his time here the next couple of years, uh, you know, until he can actually be like pro eligible. And he had some great moments, you know, earlier in his career, but this is a serious injury. The setback that they had after the initial surgery is a serious setback. This is the kind of injury that can continue to recur. And I think also if you're admitting that you need a front office change, I mean, to me, kind of going hand in hand with that is the idea that the previous era, you know, just the symbolic idea of that John Wall era is over. And I actually think that whoever steps into that job, it might take a year of evaluation before they really start to put their stamp on it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept Scott Brooks, um, if they just sort of rolled back the same roster. But I think that following summer, so like not summer 19, uh, but summer 20, I think you start to see some really major uh, changes, shakeups, uh, retooling, you know, whatever they, they can do to kind of, you know, go a different direction or a new direction. Because I think, unfortunately, the, the wall era has kind of run its course. I think getting off the auto porter thing is great. Like he's like, I hate this new thing with the wings where you're just like, uh, if he, he's not Kevin Durant, he's not Kawhi, he's not the elite wing that puts us in contention. No, um, he's the guy that he's the Harrison Barnes type where these wings are just there. There's so much there, but you realize that it's not going to happen. You paid a premium and then you got off it because, you know, I, I don't know. And also is John Wall the best wizard of all time? Is he? I think he might. Um, that's a good question. I mean, the old heads would probably debate like Wes Unseld or who else is in that conversation. Who can never forget that ten and fourteen uh career <laughs> career numbers that sixteen per. No, it's not Wes Unseld. I think it's John Wall. I think he deserves to go off into the sunset with this group. What about Gilbert Arenas? Oh, who was taking Gilbert Arenas over John Wall's prime? I don't know. Gilbert Arenas's prime was pretty darn good, man. Like he was, yeah. I mean, he was like Harden before Harden, crazy scoring numbers, very entertaining, fan favorite. Uh, no, you're making a good case. Like, I mean, there's no question he's going to get his jersey retired. And I think he really saved that franchise when they drafted him. I mean, they needed him so badly. You know, it's like coming off of uh, the whole, you know, locker room gun incident and just terrible PR, horrible tanking teams for a couple of years there. Like they needed it so bad. And he delivered some really uh, exciting, uh, entertaining moments, but you know, zero fifty win seasons. Um, you know, I, I think you can you can highlight some negatives on John Wall's resume as well. And I do think, frankly, that this contract, 
unfortunately is going to wind up kind of tainting the whole thing because I think it's going to be really hard to, to trade for at least two years. And he's going to want to play because he's a competitive guy and he was really good not that long ago. And he's still going to feel like he can do it. And it's going to just create this awkward dynamic where it should be Bradley Beal's team, but John's, you know, never really going to see it or it's, he's going to have a hard time, uh, you know, seeding that authority. And I, I just foresee there being some butting heads. Going back to what you said on Otto, though, I thought that was a smart move by them. I thought it was a win-win. Like for Chicago, they had a big hole there. They're not going to be getting good free agents. Otto's overpaid, but he really brings to the table stuff that they need. And if they want to have any chance of being like, you know, relevant here in the next couple of years or like putting their, you know, super young guys, especially Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry into a scenario where like winning at every at any level is kind of uh, a priority. I think that a guy like Otto Porter really helps there. And for Washington, like just the money was never going to work. So I, I got why they did that there. Last thing on Wall, and we'll move on. Um, his playoff on-offs for his four playoff appearances from age 23 to age 27. You ready? Plus 10.4, plus 3.8, plus 11.1, plus 8.9. That dude, that's, I think, the biggest thing is every playoff season, even last year, he went above and beyond. Like, whatever happened in the regular season, that dude in the playoffs goes just above. He's just insane. I enjoyed the Bradley Beal stuff. Like when Bradley Beal fouled out in those ridiculous circumstances in that Raptor series. Like he almost willed the Wizards over the Raptors in round one by himself. That was, Wall was just, I don't know. I love that dude come playoff time. I think he's a problem sometimes, but like he's just always a net positive outside of this year where I think he was just playing really hurt. And we saw that and then it just got progressively worse. And now he tore his Achilles. So I think he's going to be a likable comeback story where it's just like this double whammy of awfulness and people just ripping him for the contract, which everybody else would accept if it was offered to them, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm still backing John Wall. I'm sticking with it. I, I believe in uh, the reincarnation of John Wall in 2021. I am gobsmacked by your optimism, but I, I, I respect it and run with it. It's it's a good corner to be on. You're all alone. You've got all the uh, you've got all of the real estate all to yourself. <laughs> what else is new there? Um, would you shorten the NBA season at all? I'm a traditionalist, so I have a hard time with that one. Uh, but the arguments to shorten it are getting stronger and stronger, uh, and the arguments you know not to shorten it are just looking kind of sadder and sadder. I don't know if you remember recently, Adam Silver had that whole line about. Uh, you know, the reason why they're not going to change the playoff format is basically travel, not tradition. You know, he's trying to figure out how they could get it. So it'd be a one to 16 playoff field, which is something that I would absolutely love for them to do. Um, because I just think that it's a little bit unfair. Some of these teams getting in, in the Eastern conference that, you know, wouldn't get in, in the West. Um, but I think that same kind of argument of like, okay, if tradition is all you've got backing, you know, the schedule length, and we can all agree that, back-to-backs aren't very smart for NBA players. And we can all agree that, you know, smart teams rest their guys a certain number of games per year. And we can all agree that the March games are pretty ugly and that you don't really need it to determine who are going to be the best teams. What's really the point of those extra games? And so I'm very uh, open-minded to the ideas behind why people would want to, uh, would want to shorten it, but I'm also just really stubborn I like the idea that records would always be apples to apples. And we're always comparing things over 82 game seasons, you know, 50 wins or 60 wins, like those benchmarks kind of always mean the same thing. Uh, so I guess, you know, I'm, I'm torn, but I, I could see both sides. If they did it, I would probably scream for like a week and then I'd probably get over it. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it too, is just the history of like how we look at stuff where it's like LeBron's um, final streak. Like, obviously, that is not a thing if it's 1-16 to 16 every year. Like, how many times does he go to the finals on with the Cavs? How many times does that actually happen? Um, I don't know. It, I would be pretty dubious that he makes over half of those playoff runs. He makes it through the Western Conference gauntlet, if that's what he had to do. But um, it's impossible to know. And it would just it, it would be difficult to just kind of uh, measure errors. But it, it, I think it'd be fine. I, I'm right there with you. Um, I want to breeze through some quick stuff. I know you're a busy guy. So um, I'm going to throw some quick stuff at you. And then uh, we can we can fire through these. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Biggest surprise player or team this season that you've you've watched a lot of? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say the biggest surprise team to me is probably the Orlando Magic, um, just mm -hmm. in terms of where they got their record. 
again, you know, it's a little bit of an easier uh, curve there in the Eastern Conference, but, you know, them like blowing away their preseason over under by like 10 or 11 wins would probably be, um, you know, one of the most surprising thing uh, things in terms of player. Uh, that's a tricky one. You know, I think I was starting to get a little bit nervous about De'Aaron Fox after his rookie year. And I think he carried Sacramento to a pretty darn impressive year. And people haven't been talking about it here the last couple of weeks, just because the playoff chase separated in the Western Conference. But, you know, Sacramento winning almost 40 games, that's a heck of an achievement given how bad they've been for how long they've, they've been bad. Uh, so I, I would probably put him into that category of like, I don't know if you want to say most improved or most surprising, most pleasant surprises. Those are probably my guys. Especially in Dave Yeager's last year in Sacramento. Very nice Ooh. of them to make that jump before he goes back to Minnesota. Very nice. Um, Ooh, look at you. There you go. I, there's just too much weird. I would love like the real story on uh, Dave Yeager and the job searching and his intrigue and like why Minnesota is forever linked. I don't know. But then like the Hoiberg stuff was there forever. And then he takes a Nebraska job. So I, I don't know. Who knows what's real? Um, are you worried about LeBron and the Lakers going forward. And when I say worried, do you think there's a real possibility that they don't do anything this summer and they don't make the playoffs again next year? It's definitely a possibility. I mean, I, I think if that's the, the bar, I mean, yeah, worried. I mean, I think that this year went as bad as it possibly could have gone. I think especially from a recruiting standpoint, like if I'm a top tier guy, I'm looking at the Lakers and just thinking, man, that is such a less desirable option than it would have been even 12 months ago, kind of in theory. Um, I'm pretty dubious that their, their front office is going to be able to land the big star. And even if they do, uh, I'd really have no faith that they're going to be able to target the right kind of role players around those stars to get the most out of them. So, uh, to me, I think that they'll make the playoffs next year, as long as LeBron has better health. Um, I think that that was a huge like, mental blow to their season. It just completely sidetracked them. They never recovered, uh, that injury. And also they lost so many games while he was out that it kind of set them back too. So. I don't know. I think they could be a playoff team next year, but it's certainly possible that they miss out. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they strike out this summer. That's why their focus should not be. On, they shouldn't do the Dallas Maverick thing where they go big and then they end up with nothing and they keep doing this over and over again. Their focus should be, what is it going to take to get Kemba? Like just focus on Kemba Walker with this Hornets team missing the playoffs. Don't worry about Lillard. Don't worry about AD. If he wants to, if they're ever going to change their mind, whatever, got to see who they hire as a new GM. That's my strategy. I Am I crazy for thinking Kimba should be focus number one for LeBron this summer? Like whatever it takes to get Kimba Walker to be his own, uh, not Kyrie, obviously they're very different players, but um, I think it I, that would be my focus is Kimba Walker next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the parallels between him and Kyrie for sure. I mean, I think uh, they definitely need a much better answer at point guard. I mean, I think to me, Lonzo is going to be best used as a two and Rondo is going to be best used in China, you know, just like get him as far away from that team as possible. And just don't let him back under any circumstances. I think the, pro <laughs> the, pro <laughs> the problem is uh, magic is so gung ho on the superstar hunting. I mean, that's sort of what he's there to do, right? I think that's how he views his job. And so that could easily, you know, help them take their eye off the ball. I mean, that could be a huge problem as you spend all this energy, you know, hoping for Paul George last summer or like chasing Anthony Davis at the deadline. And then you're sitting there looking around at the end of the summer saying, huh, maybe we should have had a backup plan. And right. Um, or just focus know, on the backup plan. Like you've struck out too much. You need a win. Like sometimes it's okay to just get a little win. Like I think Kimbo would be a nice little win for them. Well, yeah, I mean, he'd be a, he'd be more than a little win for them. Like they're they're struggling. I mean, it was so ugly this year. I go to a lot of their games and, you know, after the All-Star break, they were practically unwatchable. And I was so excited for them to start this season. I don't remember if like the first week of the year when they were playing at the number one pace in the league, and they weren't playing centers yeah. and they were just trying to score 140 points. I was like, oh, my God, this is basketball nirvana. And I knew it wouldn't uh, hold up. You know, this is like, how is LeBron going to run at this pace for six months straight? Right. Um, but man, it was a fun idea, but you know, it's not a lasting idea. And I think that's the problem. And by the, by the time that their warts started to show, uh, they were such a, you know, a different team, an uglier team to watch, very little chemistry guys, not making each other better. And it just got to be painful. So you drop Kemba into that. He's going to be a transformative, uh, you know, player. I can promise you that. Who's the next coach of the Lakers? Man, that's an even more depressing question. I mean, good Lord. Have you seen these candidates that they're throwing out there? Uh, yeah, ra randomly, 
randomly Jawan Howard like popped the top, uh, which was pretty cool. You know, a little old Miami Heat love connection. But that's not bad. He's been on the bench. He's learning. That I mean, why not? That that's not a bad like over the current options. I mean, I still think Ty Lue makes the most sense. I would just do that if you've already invested this much in the LeBron ink then you might as well just double down and give him someone he likes and you know well, it's if you're gonna do that don't you think they should just fire rob palinka and bring in david griffin too and just yeah. be like now yeah. now we're just you know cleveland west i mean no one would call la that but uh I, I mean that's probably how i would do it i mean to me luke you know has a tough case to try to stay on and so i understand why he's going to be out but I'm not sure what's Rob Polinka's case to stay on. Like, look at some of these minor moves they've been making. I mean, the deadline was just a disaster with the Zubak trade. I mean, the, all the one-year contracts they signed last summer were just nonsensical. I already bashed Rondo, but, you know, Lance and, and Beasley, all these guys are just train wrecks. And, and it was obvious from the minute they did it. So, yeah, I, I think uh, if you're going to, you know, go the Cleveland route or if you're going to go the LeBron's buddy route, you might want to think about putting one of LeBron's buddy in the front office too. True or false? I'm a big dummy for thinking Katie and Kyrie are not spurning the Clippers for the, the Knicks this summer. You think they're going to the Clippers? Yes. I think both are going to the Clippers. Well, I, let's, let's see that happen. Can you will it into existence? What's uh what's LeVar say? Speak it into existence. What's the uh, case? There's no reason for them to pick the Knicks. There's none. I, I will not like Katie for basketball reasons, whatever. Like, the Clippers have the great owner now. We know with this group, like they are overachieving with a bunch of role players that KD would love playing with. It would be his team. They've never had a star as big as him. He'd finally have his own group. They would appreciate him. He gets to still stay in a big city. He can. They have the max slots. They have the smart front office guys. There's no reason for them to not go to LA. Like them not picking the Clippers would be idiotic at least i would somewhat get Kyrie on the lakers and rejoining lebron and that would be compelling but like i don't know man i the clippers would where, where would that push them if they were able to get both this summer are they number two no for sure or are they like the thunder zone where it's like they're they're clearly good but i'm not sure they have enough to challenge the warriors where are they at i just well here, here's right my move, man here's my hot take i would i would take kd i wouldn't want Kyrie. <laughs> i would i would leave Kyrie yeah. for somebody else uh, I think if you add KD to this current Clippers roster, they're the two seed, you know, pretty easily in the Western Conference. Um, I hear what you're saying on the Knicks stuff. I mean, they don't really pass the fundamentals test. Unproven front office, really questionable owner, you know, worse than questionable owner, not a lot of talent on hand, and, you know, losing culture. That's going to take a while to turn around. Personally, I just don't think that KD and Kyrie are going to be a very good match personality-wise style of play wise, skill set wise. I just don't, I, I see those guys being too similar in terms of how they kind of approach the game to actually work. I just think they would be butting heads and they both, you know, need a stabilizing figure. And LeBron's greatness was that stabilizing fi- fig- uh, figure in Cleveland. Steph in Golden State has been the st- stabilizing figure for KD. I think that they would really be lost uh, if they played together. It doesn't matter if it's the Clippers or, or the Knicks or whatever else, but I'm here in LA, so I love your scenario. I, I want it to play out. I want to have as many stars as possible that I can go see on a nightly basis. Uh, but I'm a little bit worried for the Clippers. I'm not sure they're going to get somebody that you know that big name. And I, I, it does seem to me like they've got their uh, their sights set on Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that really seems to be where oh, their their attention is. This is a great lead in, Ben, because guess what? Kawhi's not leaving because the Raptors are winning the title this year. Oh my God, you're full of these takes. Chase. No, I've had this I all love year. It. You can check the tapes, folks. I have <laughs> had this. I've been banging the Raptors are winning the title. Like, we're still waiting. He took, like, what, 30 games off this year? Danny Green's having a career year. Kyle Lowry, st- I, I, I won't quit him. Guess what? Marcus All, love that. Pascal Siakam turning into the ultimate role player. OG Nanobi having a down year as well. Who knows what he's going to be like come playoff time? They're the, I, I love their depth. I love the way they play. I love their switchability. I love. Just everything about this group. They're, they pass the offensive rating and defensive rating test. They pass everything, the superstar test, all of it. We know what Kawhi did to the Warriors on that Spurs team a couple of years ago. Kawhi, he's, I, we've seen him when he's just scary and motivated. I, I don't think the Raptors are not winning the title. I think that the Raptors are winning the title this year. It's not going to be the Warriors for sure. And I do have the Raptors. They make the most sense to me. And they've made the most sense before the season when I said they were going to be a top two seed again. And Kawhi was going to be incredible. I love it. Well, you set yourself up to have a great victory lap if it happens. 
Uh, to me, I, I'm still picking the Warriors. I think that they've got more gears to go to. Uh, the way they've played these last couple of weeks have got me thinking that they were just bored out of their mind and Katie was in a bad place mentally a few months ago. Um, I understand. I was there when, when Kawhi got undercut by Zaza, uh, and that was a spectacular game one. I mean, before that happened, it was, you know, it was really something else. But uh, I still think Golden State's the class. The chemistry factor, the cohesion, the fact that they've played together, um, I think that they're going to cruise through the Western Conference. And to me, I think they actually are going to have either the same record they had in last year's playoffs, which I think was 16-5, and five, or better. I mean, I, I know that's a boring take, but I, I think Golden State's going to clean house this year. I agree with you on cleaning house in the West. The West is not as terrifying as it was a season ago. I don't think Houston's who they were. Okay, C's falling apart. Like they're, I think they're going to breeze through the West. I'm right there with you. And then I think they're running into the Kawhi buzzsaw in uh the nba finals so i'm i'm very excited for that um one of the last things and we'll wrap up here um two quick things um mvp case this i guess this is gonna be another taken especially after what i just said with the warriors um why is it not steph curry or kevin durant so i think kevin durant's the warriors best mvp uh candidate you know to me he's the third best on the list um i think that you know steph is kind of disqualified because i really value health and availability and he missed some time he's been he incredibly valuable games. i know but you know when you're weighing these things like you get down to those nitpicks i mean that's one yeah. of them that i always look at uh for me kevin would be their candidate i would have him third i have Giannis one hard and two i guess my thing is like i want to remove the award and call it the best player like that's all we need we're overthinking it because no one's ever going to determine like what most valuable means because yes um Giannis is very valuable to the Bucks success but like is there anyone in the league that would I mean even if Bud would he take three years of Kevin Durant or would he take three years of Giannis right now like which would you prefer like everyone's taking Kevin Durant right like, uh, Kevin Durant I don't know Milwaukee. man like, like Are they not I'm, as one good? Of, I'm one of Kevin Durant's biggest fans I think Milwaukee would keep Giannis I, I really do because they built that whole thing around him they've handpicked the talent his playmaking ability. I mean, he's done a, it's, it's crazy to say this given where he was even two or three years ago, but I think he's now a better playmaker for his teammates than KD is. And I think KD is an underrated playmaker for his teammates. Um, the age factor also kind of, you know, goes in there as well in terms of who do you want over three years. Um, but I also think that like, you know, Katie's got some stuff going on off the court. It's clearly affecting his mood. It's how he played in the middle of the season potentially his decision-making. Is it people around him? Is it the advice he's getting? You know, we don't know. Giannis has none of those questions right now. Uh, and Giannis not also Hollywood. has not had, he, exactly. And he hasn't, <laughs> uh, he hasn't had any injury issues too. And I think that people forget about Katie's foot injury as well. So I think there's actually a decent number of people who would take uh, Giannis for the next three years over Katie, even though I personally believe right now, the best player in basketball is Kevin Durant. You could sell me on Kevin Durant. I just think it's one of the two. I think we're overthinking this. I think the best player, I don't think anybody else in this league is taking, like even the Rockets, they love James Harden. It's great. It's great. I don't think any of them would ever say like he's a better player. Even this year, he's taking, he's handling a, a larger load, which is a very different conversation. But like Steph's quietly averaging almost 30. Like he's, he's been quiet this year, but he is jacking 12 and a half threes per 36 minutes and making 43% of them. Like, it's just, we're taking Steph for granted again. And I don't like it. And I understand he won back-to-back MVPs and first unanimous MVP, all that kind of stuff. He'll never win another one, but I don't know. I, I just, you know, you know, know what he, you just did, Chase? You just what? made a great case for why they're going to beat the Raptors in the finals. That's no, what you just did. unfortunately, because <laughs> it's unprecedented, man. Like this kind of run for the Warriors would just be it. It rarely happens in sports. Like it's just a, the Celtics were able to do some stuff in the '60s just because of a smaller league and more talent on that one group. But like for them to do this again, I just it's a gauntlet, man. And asking them to do it once more i just i don't know there's too much and also steph curry teammate of the year being able to handle all the draymond kd stuff and keep this team focused and still put up his numbers i don't know that i think that's where i'm at i think steph curry is the mvp this season there you go that's not gonna go over well but um anyone who would take Giannis or uh james harden over steph curry this year i, I don't get it I, I don't get what else steph has to do he's it's not his fault that uh, kevin durant is also on his basketball team so um last thing and then we'll wrap up here luka Doncic or trey young rookie of the year for you is it close uh to me it's luka and you know he got closer but it's not that close um lots of respect for both those guys i think you know trey young to me has an incredible ceiling as a player um i think that all the focus on his offense uh, misses sort of the weakest part of either one of those games, which is Trey Young's defense. And I think 
you know, Luca's a more complete, uh, more balanced uh, player at this stage of his career. Uh, he started off much more consistently. I mean, Trey took a while to get going. So I think, you know, on a year-end award, full-season award, I lean Luca. Okay, I, I agree. Um, so when um, the Raptors hoist the trophy this summer, um, I'll have you back on the pod, or you can just shout me out on your pod, include me in the newsletter, whatever you got to do, Ben. Um, I, w- I would appreciate it. Well, hey, you know, give me a call. We can chat from the locker room, you know, Perfect. Champ- champagne. Put me I on guess, speaker. And Air I'll, Canada I Center. Talk- <laughs> <laughs> put me on speaker let me talk to nick let me talk to the guys they they know that i've been backing them all year long it's it's gonna be perfect sounds great man we'll do that thanks ben i really appreciate it all right man take care sorry now all right we're back on the chase thomas podcast <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this in. What are you, you jumping right in? I said five seconds, Cola. My bad, it's, dude, my bad. it's my friend Cola. He's here. I'm, hey. I'm leaving this in for sure. What's up, guys? Oh, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm feeling a little bittersweet, man. Delayed last game. You know so saying? explain to me. That's the reason you're on this podcast tonight, Cola. You, not only are you my friend, but you're also like one of the biggest. Dwayne Wade stands I've ever come across mm-hmm. and it, this is it this is it for Wade and unfortunately um, all great things must come to an end and that includes a, a great career like Dwayne Wade's um, what what are you going to miss most about watching Dwayne Wade play basketball on a professional level really like his heart man he's like an old school dude so I, I guess they're slashers the old school guy so I guess today's NBA is more three-point shooting and defense, which is really not really his style. It's more flashing and playmaking. So just seeing him like old breed go out like that kind of hurts a little bit. Do you, you know? think? Do you think there will be another player like him, or do you think he is kind of like you said a a a product of an older era? Do you think there is someone who could still come out and be as effective as Wade was with the way he played? Uh not really in today's NBA. I think the closest equivalent would be Donovan Mitchell, but mm-hmm. he still isn't kind. Of, he still isn't like D Wade, you know. Like well, D Wade, like Donovan yeah. can shoot threes and all that, but it's different styles. It's a whole different era. So I think the era's kind of gone. So. so why did you get into Wade originally? Why did he become such an important figure for you? For me, like since growing up, I've more of a football dude, and then I, w- I happened to watch the Final Four that year, and I just saw D-Way just go off in the Final Four, so I was like, huh, who is this kid? So I just kind of followed him from there, and I didn't know he'd become a legend, but I'm happy. Happy I'm a Is follower. he the best shooting guard of all time? Definitely not. Okay. He's probably third, in my opinion, so behind and Behind who? MJ and Kobe. Yeah, MJ's tough. Like he's, I guess he we qualify him as. I just, I've always called him a wing, and I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he's always been a pure two, but it's probably me just uh, overthinking it. But um, it might be. I have him above Kobe. I have him above Kobe. You have him above Kobe. Yes. Really. I don't think Kobe like that. Just what Wade did the year with Shaq, um, and what he did. I mean, oh, also dude, like yeah. I don't know if Kobe could have ever been the teammate that Wade was, yep. and Wade just like him talking about like how hard it was to take a backseat to LeBron because it wasn't even like he changed teams right. because he won a title with the Heat. He's been this legend. He knew he was going to get his number retired by this team. This he was the faces of this organization. Um, he was going to be the best Heat of all time and he brought in his friend lebron but part of that was like he had to after losing in the finals had to kind of change things up and kind of give lebron the keys and i don't know of many other guys like steph obviously was able to do that with kd but um i don't think kobe would have ever been able to hand the keys especially in his prime right way did uh with lebron yeah d-way i think d-way's prime was better than kobe's prime we can debate that for another day. But D-Wade didn't make a lot of sacrifices that a dude of his stature, his ego, 
probably shouldn't be able to make now. So I do appreciate appreciate him doing that and bringing us two more championships, even though it should have been three more if LeBron didn't choke in 2011. But <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah, but it's also hard, like, making those adjustments. Like, we can't discount how difficult it was for those guys to learn how to play with each other. And also, they had that great streak. Like, that was still my favorite LeBron era. I mean, the finals where they beat the Warriors is still my favorite finals in my lifetime. But, like, that run where when they really hit their stride and they really figured stuff out, like, that was just some of the most intriguing, fun basketball. Like, the Warriors are hateable, but, like... The, the Heat were just, it, it was just different. And like the black and white unis and the Heatles and everything else, yeah. like they were a really just fun team to really just want to watch play and really dislike. And you're like, this is, how is this working with Mario Chalmers and just these three guys just having to play ridiculous minutes and carry this ridiculous burden year after year and still go to the finals every year and make it all work, especially with the lack of shooting on uh, just putting together LeBron and Wade. That was a big risk yeah. that they were going to have enough shooting to win. And they did it. It's basically them three, Mario Chalmers, like Mike Miller, Shane Battier, like guys like that, dude. And they're winning 50 plus games a year the really only challenge was like the Pacers and Celtics too but I think the Heat were the real first like the biggest like a real victory you know Boston had theirs but not when you have two top five players at the time joining the same team like that's kind of unheard of yes yeah, and I think one of the weirdest things to me when I was going back through this this afternoon, the numbers of Wade's career and like what teams he made and all that kind of stuff. Because um, I mean, it's it's been a long time. It's kind of crazy that uh, 2003 uh, was when he came into this league, and it's it's been a long time that we've had Dwayne Wade in our lives. But it's it's weird to me that he's only been two time. He's a two time NBA uh, first teamer, which and didn't include the year he won the finals and single-handedly carried the heat um, to a finals victory over a very good Mavericks team like that 2006 year he wasn't first team all NBA which is still baffling to me but it it does seem like he he needed a few more things in his yeah um, his career where it's like this doesn't feel like it's enough I feel like he was better than this yeah he got hosed on on a couple of those awards like a couple of those with Kobe I think he yeah, should have won. And Nash. Yeah, should have won MVP one of those years too. I think Nash got it. I think it was oh nine or something. I think he had like thirty. Gilbert Arenas was second team All NBA the year that uh, Dwayne Wade won the NBA championship. He was third team. Yeah, it's wild. That's wild as hell. Yeah, that that I didn't get, but I think at the time that Kobe bias. Kobe was the man. The times, the Suns were pretty good. That's Steve Nash and what Mark Stoudemire time. So. Yep. They're pretty good, so... Yeah, I mean, but you see a lot of Dirk and you see a lot of Dwayne Wade during that time frame. That's who we're going to remember. Those two guys were were interesting in a lot of ways, playing in different conferences, but coming in the league around the same time. But also, like, they both showed that they could carry the burden by themselves um, year after year. Um, Different kind of guys. They had defensive limitations. They were just... They played the game in a different way. They were unique. Um, Dirk obviously with his shooting as a big guy and then Wade with just his finishing ability and what he was able to do inside and just how smooth he was um, it's just different and um, I, I'm going to miss it I mean those two guys have basically been gone the the kind of players that we all just watched minute after minute over the years is they've been long gone but um, he'll still have his little moments where he had the game winner this year and you got to see some cool yeah. Dwayne Wade stuff Um what do you what what is it about his career that's going to stand out most to you? What moment is there one in particular that's going to stand out where you're like that that is my guy? Uh, I think it might have been the dunk on Barry Zhao, which I was like, okay, he, he shouldn't be able to do that because he's six four and answer Barry Zhao what seven foot, it's like full mm-hmm. full extension like that is like that's not human, bro. It's like otherworldly. And that was the moment I was like, And a yeah, lot of those guards, <laughs> you could watch and you could, like, everybody wants to, like, you can do the whole Kobe thing. You can do the Steph Curry, Steve Nash. Like, you can play pickup and kind of pretend to be or try to model your game after some of those guys. You know you can't try and model your game after? Dwayne Wade. Because unless you're, like, a athletic freak of nature, yeah, you can't just 
pretend to even be Dwayne Wade and what he was able to do. What made him good at basketball is the reason, like, he's just, you don't see guys like him very often. And I I don't know. He's going to be an interesting guy to look back on of, like, we've already forgotten just some of the stuff that he was able to do and how different he was. Yeah. Um, Do you think he would have been better if he came about in the 90s? Because that was something I was also thinking about. I think he was definitely better in the 90s. Yes. He probably on MJ level if he came out in the 90s. For sure. May not six championships. What if he had a three-point shot? What if he added that to his game in the last, like, ten years? What does that do? One, he probably extends his career. He's not driving as much. So that's a couple extra years of playing time. And probably a little extra time for extending his prime. I think his prime ended, what, 2012-ish, probably? He probably could extend that. I think 2014, you know what I'm saying? I think he shoot threes, too. He would be dispersed in 2014 as well. Because so, they kind of clamped down on paint and just made him pretty much un, unusable. So, if only he had a three-point shot, that would have been a lot better. But he's going out on his terms. He's happy. So I'm cool with it. Is there any chance he comes back mid-season next year? Or do you think he can just stay away? What does Dwayne Wade do? We knew Kobe was going to get into some weird stuff. Um, but, like, what is Dwayne Wade's personality? Is I feel like he's going to go into acting. Mm, he's pretty laid back. I want to say, well, he could watch an actress. So he, he could go into acting. You never know. I wouldn't mind seeing What would you like to see him do? Huh? What would you like to see him do? If it's not acting, what would you like to see Dwayne Wade do so mm-hmm. that he's still in your life in some capacity? Shoot. Take up golf or something. <laughs> Go pro in golf. Okay. That'd be, that'd be pretty interesting. I'd watch that. <laughs> okay. Is he in Space Jam too? Is he? I, I don't know. LeBron hasn't gotten anybody yet, so I'm assuming he gets his best friend, uh, Dwayne Wade, right? I mean, no one wants to be in that movie with him. It's funny, actually. Yeah. Um, some of these years, man, like it's it's remarkable. He has this stretch in '08 where he he averaged 30 a night. He averaged 37 and two. I mean, he played a lot of minutes, almost 40 minutes for a 10 year stretch. Um, he was a good free throw shooter, and just the beating that he took, um, night after night. I just it's it's hard to do. Like it reminds me more of Harden than anything else, where what he did is so niche. Yeah. that only a certain handful of guys can do. Um, but he was able to do it, and I'm, I'm going to miss guys like that. I appreciate guys who where it's like there's just something different about this particular player that you have to just watch the games. You have to watch his prime. You have to watch the way he moved and navigated screens. You have to watch how clean and easy floaters and just getting around the rim and getting to where he needed to be inside and just – dancing his way around defenders like that was my favorite thing about Dwayne Wade was his way of just finding his way inside drawing fouls even if they didn't exist shout out to the 2006 (laughs) finals and doing what he needed to do to get his team wins and that's a tough thing man guys who just go to the line we talk about that we're like oh wow I wish Kyrie got to the line more and it's like well Kyrie probably wouldn't be able to handle getting to the line more that's why he's so good at dancing around guys and trying to avoid contact and at the rim and stuff like that like it's it takes a toll like James Harden's a tank that's why he's able to withstand it Dwayne Wade also a tank turns out the guy who does pull-ups at the rim before games is a can handle a brutal load who would have ever guessed yeah I think it also his knack for splitting double teams is crazy too. Got to add that in there. Yeah. So are you what? What? How do you think it, go, it ends tonight? We're recording this on uh, the final home game for Dwayne Wade. How does it end? What's the proper send off for Dwayne Wade? Well, me and Duncan watching it right now. I think he'll probably mm, no spoilers. I don't have a TV in here. All right. I wanted to hit thirty. At least thirty. But right now he's kind of chilling. To be honest. So. Do you take him out? Is he? I would have him play all forty-eight minutes. Like that's just whatever. They've been, been eliminated from playoff contention. It's it's it. I would just let him loose. Uh, yeah, he will play the fourth. just starting to see. I kind of hope he does. Just, yeah, uh, like for the fans and everyone watching today, see him play a full last twelve. That'd be dope to see. Okay. All right. Cola, this has been fun. I'm sorry about your guy. He's moving on. 
He's he's going into retirement. Might play golf. Might be in uh, Bad Boys Four. He might be in Space Jam Two. Who knows? The possibilities are endless for Dwayne Wade. I hope he doesn't go on NBA and TNT. I don't think he'd be good. I don't think he'd be a good analyst, or I don't think he'd be a good commentator. I don't, we should stay away from all of that. He would never do that. <laughs> following him all these years, he would never do something like that. I can't see him doing it. He's not. No, he's not. He's not, he's not Paul Pierce. Him. <laughs> oh, get it in. That's how we're going to end this. Give me your 30-second Paul Pierce response from the Dwayne Wade faithful. Paul Pierce is trash. We all know this. Okay. He's trash. He's not close to D-Wade. He's not even top 50. I want to hear it. D-Wade's definitely top 25. So, for Paul Pierce to even say that, it's free. <laughs> I will give Paul Pierce that he's a good closer. But other than that, he's, mm-hmm. not, uh, he's not in the deep. We all know this. I would agree. I will say Gabrielle Union went a little too far the other way. Where it was like, okay, it's not that serious. Yeah, yeah, he's on TV. Yeah. Just like he's just saying stuff on TV. Yeah, he's, all right, let's, he's let's just calm down. It's cool. Right? Yeah, let's, let's calm down a little bit. <laughs> she took it to heart. We all knew he just like he wasn't capping, but like at the same time, we knew we kind of meant it. Uh, nah. Yeah. So. I don't know. These these are competitors. They have to see themselves that way, and they they just I I, I don't know. I, I don't really care either way. I'm like uh, I, I'm not surprised that Paul Pierce thought he was better than Dwayne Wade. I also yeah. am not surprised that Dwayne Wade probably is just like eh, I I don't need to do that. I'm not that guy. I, I know that I'm better at basketball than you, and I've had a better career. Like it's fine. Basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to both of them, future Hall of Famers. Both great. Both enjoyed them in their prime. But uh, Dwayne Wade is a much better player all time, and it's no contest. Cola, thank you so much um, for making your uh, first My appearance day, on the Chasers podcast. Did it feel good? Day. I need to be a regular man. We're roommates now. Oh, I'm, do you? I'm out there regularly. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do. Um, tell Duncan I said hey. I know he's sitting right next to you. And yeah. uh, there we go. Podcast. Um, my circle made it on. So now you, Noah, and Duncan's the only one left. Uh-huh. So maybe uh, he's next on the list. But thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I will see you soon. Buddy. Uh-huh. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So, if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken for Eats Eats West. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.